Section 33 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 8 Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland and the Search for the Poles Edited by Eva March Tappen Section 33 The Defeat of the Jomsburg Vikings, 983 By Neander N. Kronholm Some of the most daring of the Vikings formed a little community of men near the mouth of the Oder and named it Jomsburg. The leader of this wild and fearless band was Styrbjörn Starke. He was a nephew of King Eric of Sweden and when only twelve years old, he had demanded of the king a share in the kingdom. The people had voted against him, but his uncle gave him a great fleet, that he might go forth on marauding expeditions. In 983, with the promised support of Harald Bluetooth of Denmark, he swept up the Baltic and into Lake Malaren. The Editor Eric the Victorious who at this time was reigning in Uppsala, was a great and renowned king. Skuglar Toste, a freeholder and celebrated Viking in West Gothland, had a daughter named Sigrid, much famed for her beauty, but very proud and haughty. King Eric chose her for his queen and gained much support in the country from her relations, particularly from Torgne the Wise, who was judge in Upland. When King Eric heard that Stubjorn, with his great fleet, had entered Lake Melloran, he sent out a summons throughout the kingdom for all the men-at-arms to meet in Uppsala. He then blocked the entrance of Flot Sound so that Stubjorn could not sail out of the lake toward Uppsala. As soon as the latter had arrived, he made his men go on shore and burned all his ships to the end that his supporters might fight with more courage, having no hopes of safety by flight. Scarcely was this done when Harold Bluetooth ordered his men on board his ships, put out to sea and sail home to Denmark, leaving Stubjorn in the trap. This proceeding he and his men were obliged to witness from the shore, having no means of preventing or punishing Harold's treachery. He, however, did not lose courage, but made his men cut a broad road through the forest to the great plains of Fyrisval, near Uppsala. On this plain he marshalled his army, having many brave chiefs in it, amongst others his uncle Jarl Ulf and Bjorn Breadviking, an Icelander. Eric the Victorious marshalled his men on the other side, and Torgny the Judge was his chief man, both in word and deed. The battle was violent and long. Torgny had caused chariots to be made with lances, projecting in front, and sickles and scythes, fastened on either side, which were drawn by condemned criminals into the enemy's ranks, and caused great havoc. But Stubjorn had such superior numbers, that in spite of this he was able to make a stout resistance. And so they fought the whole day, without either being able to gain the victory. During the night, many people from the neighborhood joined Eric, 
so that his army was not less than on the first day. But the Jomsviking were such brave men that they kept up the fight, the whole of the second day, and at its conclusion no one could yet determine who would be victorious. The sheaves offered sacrifices during the night to propitiate the gods. Styrbjörn sacrificed to Thor, and it was said that a red-bearded man, who was thought to be Thor, showed himself to Styrbjörn, announcing his defeat. Eric, on his side, went up to the temple in Uppsala and sacrificed to Odin, promising himself to the god at the expiration of ten years, if he would only this time grant him the victory. It is said that a one-eyed man in blue cloak, with a wide hat on his head, then showed himself to Eric, and gave him a lance which he should hurl against Stubion's troop, saying, Ye now all belong to Odin. And this man was thought to have been Odin himself. The third day a much severer conflict ensued, numerous reinforcements, as before, having joined King Eric from the neighborhood on the preceding night. But a universal panic presently overtook Stubion's men. They fancied the air was full of light arrows hovering over their heads, which blinded and confused them, and were thought to be sent by Odin. A sand hill in the neighborhood also slid down upon them, causing much confusion. When Stubion at last saw that all was tending to his fall and defeat, in anguish and despair he stuck his banner fast into the ground and shouted with a terrible voice to the remainder of his troops that it was better to die with glory than to fly with shame. He then cast himself wildly among his enemy and so fell, pierced with many wounds. The greater part of his men followed him, and few fled or surrendered themselves prisoners. When the battle was done, King Eric mounted on one of the mounds and promised a great reward to him who could sing Adrapa on this battle. On this, Torvald Jeltesson, an Icelander, presented himself, and sang for the king and the army a glorious song of victory and received as a reward two precious gold chains. And yet this Torvald, neither before nor afterwards, ever concerned himself with poetry. After this, Eric's son, who was only two years old, was carried before the troops and was proclaimed and received homage as his father's successor and sovereign of the whole kingdom. As he was, on account of his tender age, on this occasion carried in arms, he was called Olaf Skotkonung, or Olaf Lapking. Stubian left a son called Torkil Sparkalag, whose son was named Ulf, and was the father of Sven Ulfsson, from whom a whole line of Danish kings descend. This battle took place in the year 983 AD, and from it King Eric received the surname the victorious. End of section 33. This recording is in the public domain.